0: Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of today's Survival Show. Helping you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. This is a common sense preparedness show. I don't go tin foil hat on you. I don't believe in that stuff, folks. I'm not one of these whacked out conspiracy theorists. Now, if you like that stuff, I'm sure there's other podcasts out there. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. It's just not my style. I keep this rooted in common sense and just talk about everyday prepping for everyday types of disasters. This is episode number 179. Thank you for downloading and listening. I am going to be optimistic in this week's show. I like to be positive. I don't know about you, but... I get along better, and I get through life better, and better things happen when I'm positive. And I really believe that optimism is one of the most important things that any survivalist or any preparedness-minded person needs to adopt. I think better things happen when you're, when you're optimistic. Now, this is not going to be a positive-thinking, rah-rah type of show. I've got some pretty good information to share that is pretty factual, and I'm going to give you some ideas and things that you can use right away, but I think that prepping your brain is just as important as prepping anything else. And so as I drive down the road here, headed out to a business appointment, i got a few show notes here uh, taped to the dashboard of my car, and uh, I'm going to share some good ideas with you before doing that I want to cover something that people have been emailing me a lot and they've been asking me to cover this so I'm going to do it. I'm going to break one of my rules that I've had on today's survival show. I like to keep this show free of politics as much as I can. I don't like to talk about politics too much. Every once in a while I I get on Facebook and I, I put some political stuff on Facebook every once in a while or I respond to someone's You know, post and things that they put on Facebook. But I try on the forum and on this show not to talk about it too much, but somebody's asked me to talk about it. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, and address it a little bit, but I'm going to make sure that I don't get too divisive here. And then we'll get into my information on optimism. Because this is the election season, the primary election season, you know, I just want to remind everybody listening to this show. Ladies and gentlemen, the answer to all of our problems is not at the ballot box. Now I'm not saying this election coming up is not important. Please don't take that message away from this. But that's not the complete answer. I believe personal responsibility is the answer to people's troubles. I'm also a man of faith. Now, I'm not going to get into religion on this show, because that's another thing I don't like to get into. I am a man of faith. I'm a Christian. I've said that many times. But I'm not going to fault you for not being a Christian if you're not. I'm not going to say that you're not a good survivalist or that you can't be prepared for everyday things that hit you. But I think that the answer lies way outside the ballot box. However, we do have to be careful how we choose our leaders, because our leaders can mess things up for us, can't they? And lately we've had a lot of leaders in this country. I'd say the last 20 or 25 years, a lot of leaders have been messing things up. And during this political season, it seems like there's a lot of people really getting highly emotional about the people they support. And I mean, they're taking these positions that, oh, there's no one that can do any good for this country except for this person right here. And, of course, it's the one that they support. I'd like to warn against that if I could. This is a suggestion. It's not going to be a rant, but a suggestion. I'd like to warn that you not be so exclusive. You know, when you post things or say things like, No one but this guy can restore America to its greatness. I don't think you're speaking the truth. I I think that, you know, there are candidates running right now that all have some good points about them and America has a lot of needs and for all of my international listeners bear with me I'll get into some optimism and stuff that might apply more to you later by the way I forgot to make an announcement and then I'll get back to it the announcement the website is today's survival.com today's survival.com is my website if you want to email me some comments questions opinions whatever bob at today's survival.com and please consider joining our forum our forum is an excellent group uh it's it's small by internet standards but it's growing every day do me a favor send me an email to bob at today's survival.com if you join the forum so i can keep spammers out and tell me your username and your email okay a lot of people getting in, getting really emotional about the people that they support. And everybody has something good that they can offer the United States of America. Politicians, it's okay for politicians, folks, to change their mind, okay? You know, there's so much bashing of politicians because of votes that they cast in the past or things that they did when they ran their state in the past. Or so-and-so voted for this 25 year years ago or, or 18 years ago or 16 years ago. Did you see the vote that he... Well, he you, this guy should not be president because, man, back in 1996, he cast these questionable votes you see a lot of goofy stuff like that or when he ran his state he did this that and the other thing or when he was in the senate he did this that and the other thing when he was in congress he did this that and the other thing and he voted for all this stuff well you know what folks people make mistakes they're humans we're electing a human being to become president of the united states we're not electing somebody perfect there is no perfect candidate. There is no perfect politician. If you can find a perfect person in this world, please let me know. In my humble opinion, there has only been one perfect person that ever walked the face of the earth, and that was over 2,000 years ago. Gang, Nobody's perfect. Everybody has the right to change their mind and you should respect somebody who changes their mind and realize that they made a mistake and all the politicians that are running right now against President Obama, all of them, all four of them who are left in this race, have admitted mistakes. They've openly admitted mistakes. If you go to my Facebook page, if you search Bob Maine on Facebook and look at my wall, you'll see I posted some links about some of the politicians that are running for office today about how they've made mistakes and apologized and admitted for their mistakes. Somebody on the on Facebook said, well, gee, Bob, I'd like to see some links of some of these terrible politicians. I'd like to see some links where they've admitted their mistakes. So I found some and I put them up there. And he said, hey, Bob, I can appreciate your links that you put up here. You know, folks, they've all done it. And I respect that. Now, I want to point out one of the greatest leaders our country's had in the last 30 or 40 years, and that's Ronald Reagan. A lot of people, whether you're you're liberal or conservative, Republican or Democrat, independent, libertarian, doesn't matter, a lot of people feel that Ronald Reagan has been one of the most influential presidents of the 20th century. And, you know, Ronald Reagan is held up as this conservative icon, right? He's this conservative hero. This, he's the Republican Party's hero. That's, that's kind of how they put up Ronald Reagan. I don't know if you knew this or not. Let, let's talk about a little history here. It's important that we learn from history. It's really important. Did you know that Ronald Reagan was a liberal for the first 30 years of his, of his political life? From about, let's see, I think it was 1932 to 1962, Ronald Reagan was a Democrat. He was a liberal. I mean, he strongly supported FDR, and at that time, he probably was very much also in support of a lot of the New Deal policies. As a matter of fact, he did openly support them, including Social Security. I don't know if you knew that or not but he said that FDR was a was a president that he admired. You know, now now if you ask a lot of conservative people right now how many of you support the policies of FDR and the New Deal, probably not many would say that they did, but guess what? Ronald Reagan did. Here's a little history about Ronald Reagan he's a good example of somebody who changed his mind. He changed his views. See, he started off as a liberal Democrat, and for 30 years of his political life, or for 30 years that he was involved in acting and talking about politics, he was supporting liberal Democrat policies. He changed. He realized those did not match up with his core beliefs anymore. And it's okay. And today people are consider, you know people hold him up as one of the best presidents we've had recently you know a conservative hero yada 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 and all that stuff but boy how quickly they forget the past but i think it's okay i think it's admirable that ronald reagan decided you know what this isn't for me anymore now i'm not lo- i'm not knocking liberalism i'm not trying to take a swipe right now at my friends who are liberals i have friends who are liberals and uh, i want to keep them as my friends i don't want to want to offend them so i'm not trying to take a swipe At them right now. I'm just pointing out that people can and do change. And for all of you out there that are bashing people over the head about what they've done in the past, especially politicians, can I ask you to do something, please? Please quit living in the past. This has a lot to do with my message today on on optimism as a survival skill. You can't live in the past. You can't live with the negatives of the past. You can't constantly dwell on those negatives. I don't think it's a real good idea to do that. So let's get back to Reagan. In the 40s, Reagan, the actor, became an active union member. He was elected to the board of directors of the Screen Actors Guild in 1941. After serving in World War II, he became vice president of the Screen Actors Guild in 1946. He eventually became the president of the Screen Actors Guild in 1947, and he would stay the president all the way through 1952, and then was elected once again president of the Screen Actors Guild in '59. Now, Reagan's leadership of the Screen Actors Guild, there were a lot of labor, labor disputes during that time. The Taft-Hartley Act as well. And he was always a big, strong supporter of the Union's. And even during his presidency, there were times where Ronald Reagan supported the unions. I remember the air traffic controllers' strike. I remember that very vividly. I'm old enough to remember that time. And it's true that Ronald Reagan stood up to the air traffic controllers' union when they went on strike. But, you know, here's a fact, folks. He didn't do that. He didn't fire the air traffic controllers because he hated unions. He fired them because they violated an existing law that said that federal workers were not allowed to go on strike. He also Ronald Reagan also supported the Polish labor union Solidarity in its first fight against the Soviet domination. So you got to understand something that you know there were times where where he would change his positions back and forth. Now, in the 60s, Ronald Reagan made the decision to switch parties and run for governor of California and ran for governor of California as a Republican. But, folks, he did openly admit that there were some things that he was supporting for about 30 years that were liberal and Democrat in nature. Perhaps maybe that's one of the reasons why he was so effective as president, because he knew the other side. He knew the other side of the political aisle, and he knew them well because, guess what? He was one of them. So, now we have this guy, Ronald Reagan, who we all say is a hero, and I agree with that. You know, I admire Ronald Reagan and what he did when he was leader, and what he did when he was President of the United States. And I think he, I I also agree that he was one of the most influential presidents that we've had in the 20th century. Uh, Ronald Reagan was the first president I voted for. But how do we know that people who are running today, how do we know that they won't change their minds? Maybe they'll change their positions on something. What's wrong with that? How do you know that if any of the four people who are running as Republicans right now, if they become the next president, how do you know they won't change their positions from the past? The answer, my friends, is you don't know. And we could see another Ronald Reagan type person emerge just like Ronald Reagan himself did. So I would like to suggest that you get off all this hate stuff and quit talking about what people did in the past. The past is a bucket of ashes, folks. Throw it away. Throw it away like a bucket of ashes. We can't change the past. I think you need to look at these men and women that are running as to what, will, what do they say they're going to do for the future. Now, I know politicians can't always be believed. I mean, I know just as well as you do listening to this that we can't believe everything these jokers say. Because sometimes they say one thing to get elected and they do another once they take office. But not always. Not in the case of Ronald Reagan. I think the most important thing is that we need to look at what do, you, how do you feel this person is going to affect the future? And that's okay. You know, if you say, hey, candidates... XYZ is not going to be very good for our future. That's fine. Explain why, but leave the past out of it. Don't say, Well, I don't think he's going to be any good for our future because of this vote that he cast 13 years ago. And boy, can you believe he did that? Well, you know what? Maybe he doesn't feel the same way now as he did 13 years ago. Like Reagan decided to change his views. Just some food for thought there, folks. Just some food for thought. Okay, now let's get to my optimism message. There's a link to a great article I found on how optimism is the ultimate survival skill. And I want you to read the whole article when you're done. So go to the forum. I typically start a thread for every episode. Go to the forum. Check out the links. Join the forum if you're not a member there. You don't have to be a member of the forum to be able to surf and and lurk around and look at some of the posts and look at some of the links that I post about each show. So find episode 179 on optimism and you'll see the link to this article. Now, I want to start off by saying that you are capable, folks, of extraordinary extraordinary things. One of my old mentors said, being successful is not doing extraordinary things. It's doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. And when you do an ordinary thing extraordinarily well, you look extraordinary. So you are capable, folks, of, of extraordinary things. If you haven't achieved those, it's because there is a survival skill you have not yet mastered. And that survival skill is optimism. Now, a lot of people don't think of optimism as a survival skill. They just don't, it doesn't even cross their mind. Okay? But in this podcast, I'm going to try the best I can to show you how I think it's one of the ultimate survival skills, and it's something you absolutely have to master. It's essential for life, folks. Now, I want to talk about something called the Optimism Scale. And I've always been kind of an optimistic person. And you know, folks, that's one of the reasons why I don't go into a lot of tinfoil hat stuff on this. Because a lot of tinfoil hat stuff is pretty negative. It's based on negativity. And, you know, one of the easiest things to do to make yourself look good is to tear all the other buildings down. Now your building is the tallest, right? Now you look like the tallest, biggest building because you just tore everybody else down around you. How many of you know somebody like that? But it's harder to make your building taller than everybody else's, but that's what optimistic people do. There is what's called an optimism scale, and there's five flavors to the optimism scale. Basically, it's kind of a progression. The first level is cynicism, okay? And you get a lot of people in survival circles that are very, you know, they engage in a lot of cynicism. Boy, you see that on internet forums everywhere, don't you? They say, well, everything's bad, it's doomed, everything's untrustworthy, right? We're, we're falling apart, and we're all going to H-E double toothpicks in a handbasket, and it's over with, folks, it's done. Everything's bad, and we are doomed. Cynicism, that's what that is, borderline pessimism. Now, the pessimism is the second part of the scale. It's where people say things are very likely to have negative results. Boy, it's it's quite likely that this is going to turn out really bad. Now, it might. The situation that this country is in, it might be likely to turn out bad. But you know what? There is some optimism to be had the way things are going on in this world. See, one of the things about being a prepper, one of the things about... Preparing yourself every way, emotionally, financially, with food, with water. Preparing yourself with supplies, backup power, backup heat, alternative ways to cook. Learning how to defend yourself, learning how to hunt, fish, can, grow gardens, things like that. One of the things about it is that it helps you become more optimistic. You know, deep down inside, if you're prepared, you can say, hey, you know what? Whatever happens, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be able to mitigate some of the problems that occur to me. And I am probably going to be in the top 5% of the people that handle this disaster because I'm ready. And that is how... Prepping can make you more optimistic. Personal responsibility, folks. You're going to get very pessimistic and very cynical if you're always looking to the government to help you. And that's one of the reasons why I started off spending a little bit of time talking about the politics and talking about how the fact that the answer is not at the ballot box, folks. That's not where the best part of the answer to your life is. I don't care who becomes elected. I don't. Be- I don't care who becomes our next president. If somebody else becomes our next president, who knows? Maybe Obama gets reelected. I'd say there's probably a 50-50 chance right now, as we stand right now, about a 50-50 chance he gets reelected. That's not where the answer to your life lies. Unfortunately, we have way too many pessimistic and cynical people who are dependent. And those are the people going, oh boy, we're going to have some negative results out of this. So the pessimists are are people that say that we're likely to have some negative results. Now, then you have realists. Now, I used to classify myself as a realist. In fact, on this podcast, I've done that a few times. I've said, well, I'm a realist about things. You know who realists are? Realists say things like, well, things are just the way they are. We can't do anything about it. It's a reality, let's just face it, it is what it is. You know, realists love to use the phrase, it is what it is. I had a boss that used to wear out that phrase. Bob, it is what it is. And he kind of rubbed off on me. That's why for a while I considered myself a realist. But there's a difference between someone who's a realist and an optimist, and I'm getting there. Okay? The difference is... The optimist says things are likely to have positive results. A pessimist says things are likely to have negative results. A realist says, well, things are just the way they are. Can't do anything about it. And an optimist says, well, you know what? Things are likely to have positive results. And I want to encourage you to be an optimist in your survival preparations. And this is a subject, folks, that a lot of people don't talk about. You can, you can find a lot of survival podcasts and a lot of survival forums and a lot of preparedness avenues and blogs and things out there. And very few are going to talk about optimism. Very few are going to say, well, you know what? There could be some positive results out of what happens. You know why? Because, as I mentioned, they are the people looking to outside sources to fix their problems. If you are relying on yourself and your faith, folks, I think you're going to have a much more optimistic outlook because things will work out more positively because you are prepared. That's why we prepare, correct? So we can have a more positive outcome to whatever disasters come your way. Does that make sense? Even if it's losing a job, which, folks, is a huge disaster these days. If it's losing a family member, if it's losing a primary income earner of your family, that's a tragedy. And it's a tragedy that I don't wish that anybody goes through. But if you are an optimist and you go about it with an optimistic attitude and you prepare as if things are likely to have positive results, if something happens, eventually that negative, that negative of losing a job, That negative of losing a family member, folks, and I have lost them. I have lost family members. And it's a huge negative. You can work through it. And you can accept the reality of it. And instead of going pessimistic, you can go optimistic. So an optimist says things are likely to have positive results. Now there's a fifth one called the idealists. It's called idealism. And they're the ones, they have like the Pollyanna attitude, right? Well, everything's always going to work out brilliantly. Uh, Everything's going to be okay all the time. Now, there's a big difference, folks. I don't like idealists. I don't like people walking around with a false sense of reality saying, well, everything's going to work out just fine all the time. No, it's not. So there's a big difference between an optimist and idealist's. I don't like idealists. I don't think that you as a prepper, if you're into survival and preparedness, I don't think you should be an idealist or an idealist, excuse me. Just a suggestion I want to make. An optimist says things are likely to have positive results, but they also understand that not everything will work out positively. An idealist always thinks everything's going to be okay. And of course, they're the ones that get real depressed the most. When something's not okay. And at the first glance, an idealist seems to be the most positive. But they're not. And the reason is because an idealist tends to be overly optimistic. Now, that's not a bad thing, except the problem is they typically ignore potential problems. An idealist ignores potential problems. They ignore threats. They look the other way when they see a threat because, Ooh, I don't want to think about that. That could turn out bad. And, you know, a lot of people who resist uh, self-defense, for example, you know, I do another show, in case you guys don't know, I do another show called The Handgun World Podcast, and I talk about guns and self-defense. I don't like to make this show here about guns and self-defense, because I have another podcast that does that. And every once in a while, I get an email from somebody who says, I don't really want to think about that. I don't want to think about the fact that I could get attacked in my own home, or I could get attacked on the street... They go, that's what the police are for. Really? Really? How many of you listening to this show right now have a cop car parked out in front of your house 24 hours a day? You don't. It's not what the police are for. But they take this idealistic view of the world. Because they don't want to admit that there's bad guys out there lurking in the midst. They don't want to admit that. They're overly optimistic. So you know what they do? They ignore threats. And the idealists, a lot of them are the ones who get attacked. A lot of them are the ones who get violently attacked because they're not paying attention. Because their head's in the sand. They won't admit, they won't have a little bit of realism. And they won't admit that there's bad people out there that could do bad things to you. And so they get this this idealistic Pollyanna attitude and they think, Oh well, nothing's ever going to happen. It can't. And guess what? Bang! They're the ones that typically get hit because they ignore threats. Now, some people consider realism to be the best position to take. The problem is, is if you're a realist, it means that you're making an assumption. You're assuming that you understand reality. And the fact is that reality is often very subjective. What you think you see is often not really what's there. So, realists tend to assume a more negative outlook than most situations warrant. And sometimes your perception of reality is not really reality. Now, sometimes there's nothing wrong with cynicism and pessimism. I mean, they are powerful tools of the human brain. And if we identify danger or suspect someone's motives might not be in our best interests, then yes, that little bit of cynicism and pessimism can sometimes save your life. Because guess what? You're not ignoring the threat. So a good balance of cynicism and pessimism, not too much, not too much cynical and pessimistic thinking, balanced with a little bit of realism, a whole lot of optimism and no idealism, I think is the perfect balance to a survivalist's mind. I'll say that again. A little bit of cynicism, a little bit of pessimism, because you want to be aware of threats. A a small amount of realism, understanding that, you know, you you understand what is out there, or you think you do. A good, healthy dose of optimism saying, well, you know what? I'm prepared, and things are likely to have positive results, and please stay away from the idealism. Everything's going to be just fine all the time. Baloney. Everything's not going to be just fine all the time, and you need to understand that. I think a good blend of those, a good blend of all five of those, is good for a survivalist and a prepper's mind. I hope you'll agree with me on that. But let me ask you a question. How many, how many people do you know, and include yourself on this, how many people do you know spend the bulk of their lives looking at things through pessimistic eyes? I can think of several right now. I won't name names. They make the wrong assumption that danger is everywhere. They, they actually expect problems, and a lot of them will create problems because they expect it. They assume things are going to go bad. They always anticipate the negative. Optimism is the belief that things are likely to have a positive outcome, and it does not assume they will. It just says that it could be likely. And so if we have a more optimistic outlook on life, we can achieve more and live a lot longer. And that's what survival is all about, living a lot longer. Would you agree? Now, let me give you an example of this. Let me kind of use an example that's taken from this article, and I think it's a brilliant one. And folks, again, please go to the forum, find episode 179. I'm linking to this article that I'm using. It's fantastic. It's very well written, and it's part of the research that I've done for this podcast. Imagine that you're in a life-threatening situation. Okay? Uh, put yourself on the Titanic, for example. You just hit an iceberg, and the ship is going down. So consider how each of these people would face the problem. You know what the cynic would do? People who are engaged in cynicism? They'd give up hope and they'd expect to die. And as a result, the cynical person, once they feel the cold water, they're just going to immediately succumb, thinking, Oh, well, I'm giving up hope. I'm just going to expect to die. Things are just not going to work out here, and I'm going to die. And you know what? The cynic will succumb the quickest. Now, the pessimist the pessimist would assume the worst, but they'd fight to stay alive. And by assuming the worst, the pessimist mentally compounds every negative thing that happened, and it's all affirming his belief that he's unlikely to survive, but he'd still have some hope. But eventually, the despair would give in to the elements, and he would die. Now, the cynic succumbs quicker because the cynic just uh, is uh, automatically making an assumption. The pessimist has a little bit of hope, but eh, he's thinking, yeah, it's probably not going to work I'm probably going to die, the ship is going down, the the water's too cold, Uh, they said this Titanic would never sink, and now it's sunk, and you know what, the water's just way too cold, I'm going to die! Now, the realist, okay, the realist looks at, quote, the reality of the situation. And the realist thinks, hmm, since it's statistically unlikely for a boat to find us and save us, the realist's presumption, and maybe rightly so, would be that he's in a dire situation with very little hope for survival. In other words, he's in trouble. The stink has hit the fan. The idealist would assume that everything was going to be okay. And this is what I, I urge you to stay away from. Okay, The idealist would think, Hey, everything's going to be okay. No problem here. Things are going to just work out fine. I know the ship is going down. I know that there's not enough lifeboats for everybody. And I'm in the water here. And But everything is going to be okay. So as a result... He might ignore a lot of warning signs, like how cold the water is, and the fact that he's going to get hypothermia pretty soon. He's going to ignore some of the subtle nuances, and he might not take action that could save his life. He's actually less likely to work hard, and probably less likely to survive, than even the cynic. Now, here is what I urge you to be. I urge you to be the optimist. The optimist would take a serious stock of his situation and factor in all the negatives he faces, but his optimism still gives him hope. Hope that if he holds out long enough, he will survive. The optimist will fight the hardest for his own survival, yet still deal with the full severity of the situation. And isn't that right there? Isn't that the essence of survival, ladies and gentlemen? Let me uh, share that with you again. The optimist, okay, let's say he's on the Titanic. The boat is sinking. They hit the iceberg. It's over. The optimist, here is what how he thinks. He takes a serious look at the situation. He factors in all the negatives he faces, and he goes, you know what? I still have hope. I have hope. And he knows that if he can hold out long enough, he will survive. The optimist will fight the hardest for his own survival. Now, isn't that what you do as a prepper. You set yourself up so that if something bad happens, whether it's a weather disaster or whatever it is, you can hold out the longest. You can hold out far longer than everybody else who didn't prepare. And speaking of weather weather disasters, it's just absolutely a tragedy what's happened lately in the United States with all the tornadoes just flat out wiping out cities and wiping out people's homes and killing people. It's just awful. This is one of the reasons why we prepare, folks. It's just yet another reminder. But the optimist is going to fight the hardest for their own survival and outlast. Surviving and prepping is about outlasting, trying to outlast whatever negative situation comes your way. That's why I say prepare for self-defense. Outlast your attackers. Put away food. Put away water, put away supplies so that you have what you need to outlast whatever food shortage, whatever water shortage comes your way. Have alternative sources of power so you can survive a long-term power outage. That is optimistic thinking. You do assess the negatives that you've got there. You do assess, assess the situation, but because you're optimistic, you've got hope. And because you were optimistic when you were prepping. See, that's the other thing. I want you to prep with optimism in mind. I do. That's what I do. I prep with optimism in mind. You know, And the reason I prep is because I say to myself, All right, well, Bob, you know what? You and your family are going to have a better chance of outlasting the, the disaster. And yes... I'm going to be a realist when disaster hits. I'm going to assess the situation. I'm going to have a little bit of pessimism, going, oh man, this is bad. And I am going to assess it and say, okay, here's the reality of it, but I've put all these preps together and I've done this and I spent all these years and months preparing, so I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to be able to hold out. I'm going to have hope because I know I can hold out longer than most of the other people. And I'm going to survive. Now, you might think I've oversimplified this. You might say, well, Bob, not all the optimists are going to survive. And not all the cynics are going to die either. And maybe you're right. It does depend on their individual strength and their athletic or their, their physical ability, their health, a little bit of luck and something, so forth. But I'm talking about statistics. I'm talking about probabilities. The probabilities is are, excuse me, the probabilities are the optimist is probably going to have the better chance of survival, and I hope that you'll agree with me on that. In fact, to back up my point, let me give you some things to think about. A study in 2004 found that nearly a thousand people found that optimists, excuse me, a study of about a thousand people found out that optimists have a 23% reduction of the risk of heart disease. And 55% reduction in all causes of death. Just by being optimistic about your life, you reduce your risk of a lot of of life-threatening disease. A more recent study of nearly 100,000 women over the age of 50 found that optimists were 30% less likely to die of heart disease. Therefore, it's medically proven optimists have a better chance of living longer. This is why it's a survival skill, ladies and gentlemen. You have a better chance of living longer. Whether it's fighting off a disease or whether it's fighting off the effects of a disaster that could kill you and people around you, you have a better chance of living longer. Now, you might be saying, okay, Bob, I get your point. I hear you. Optimism gives us a positive outlook on things, and that leads to happier choices and better situations. I know that. I get it. But if that's true, Bob, why do we worry so much? Why do people worry so much? And preppers, man, I've never seen people worry so much as preppers. Especially if you read forums and Internet posts. Woo! Man, they're worried about some stuff. Hey, if you're prepping, why are you worried so much? Why do we often assume the worst? Why do we allow our news to continually put such negative spin on our world? And ugh, that's what's driving me nuts about the political season. Everybody's putting all this negative spin and crap out there. Man, it's just sometimes it's just way too much to deal with. And you know why people worry so much? It's because optimism is a skill. It's not something you just automatically have. You have to develop that skill. And it's a skill that will determine your very survival. I am convinced of that. When we think of survival skills, we usually think think about things like how to build a fire, how to perform CPR, stuff like that. That's typically what people think about when you mention learn a survival skill. And we we equate survival with the basic necessities of our life. Things like food, water, clothing shelter and and that's we do have to have those basic necessities there's no question about that so i hope that you're preparing in all those areas survival skills are about keeping you alive so you might say well how is it why is it bob that survival or that optimism is a survival skill why is that it's a simple answer because without optimism, you're likely to die. Optimism requires what is called mental agility. In other words, matter of fact, you know what? If you ever watch a martial artist train, you'll notice that they become very agile. They're not going to be very successful in any martial art unless they become agile. Well, the same, it's the same with your brain, folks. It's the same with your mind. It requires mental agility. When you're confronted with a dangerous or a life-threatening situation, it's very easy to panic. It's easy to worry. It's easy to fall apart. That's the easy stuff to do. Oh, my God. This is so, so, so terrible. And people just panic. They panic and they worry and they fall apart. And that's what threatens your survival. Cody Lundin says it best. You know, Cody Lundin, I'll never forget. I think it was when he was doing that show with Dave Canterbury. God, the name of that show is dual survival that 's what it was when he was doing that he kept he said he made many references to the fact that that survival is ninety percent psychological, and I agree with him on that, so it threatens your very survival if you don 't have the mental agility to be optimistic. but if you can develop the skill of keeping your mind focused on the positive income, excuse me the positive outcome well, positive income would be nice too wouldn 't it. <laughs> Slipped up there. If you can develop the skill of keeping your mind focused on the positive outcome of the disaster, the fear falls away and enables you to take the actions required to survive. And you know, during that show, Dual Survival with Cody and Dave, very rarely did you see any of those guys getting pessimistic. Very rarely did you get them, or did you see them getting cynical. Did you notice that? Not a lot of pessimism, not a lot of cynical Or cynicism from those guys. They were optimistic. They were optimistic they were going to survive through that situation. Now, they had great skill. Their great skill fed their optimism, didn't it? Their great skills, their know-how, helped them become more optimistic. This is one of the reasons why I say that knowledge is power. Okay? Learning skills. Knowledge you carry around in your brain. It's the most portable survival prep you can ever have is what's in your brain. And those guys, Cody and Dave on Dual Survival, that was a great show. I I wish it was still, wish they were still producing new episodes. It was it was excellent to watch because these guys were optimistic. Now they weren't idealistic, they weren't, you know, walking around, they didn't have these Pollyanna attitudes thinking, "Ooh, everything's going to be fine. We don't have to worry here." No. They knew that there was something to worry about, but guess what? They were skilled and they were optimistic. The fear fell away and enabled them to take action that they needed to take to, re- to survive. In fact, the best thing about optimism, optimism is the ultimate survival skill. It is the ultimate survival skill because it empowers every other survival skill you already have. And think about that. this. Imagine a pessimist trying to light a fire. Okay, let's say he has limited resources. You know, I remember Cody, watching Cody on on Dual Survival. The guy was brilliant in starting fires. And he was very optimistic that he was going to get it done. What if he took the pessimistic attitude? You think he would have been successful? So it doesn't matter whether you're in business facing a boardroom of upset clients Or if somebody needs CPR, doesn't matter. Optimism is a skill that is going to help you in any survival situation. I am firmly convinced of that. So you might be thinking, well, how do you improve your optimism? And I'll close with this. How do you improve your optimism? First of all, become very vigilant about maintaining your optimism. You know, survivalists tend to be very vigilant about other things... They're vigilant about all the negative stuff and the disasters that could happen to them, and that's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but also, why don't you throw optimism in there? Why don't you say, you know what? I have to prepare for a positive mind. i got to protect my mind. I have to make sure that I can be as optimistic as I possibly can almost all the time. Exercise your mind. Train it. And, you know, folks, things go wrong. Plans change. Unexpected things happen. Optimism is not about ignoring the problems of life. It's about anticipating the variables and creating your contingency plans. And that's going to help you improve your optimism. Because once again, once you have a plan, once you have a method of action, a method of survival, that helps you protect your optimism. So, you you know, folks, it's just... You have to make a conscious effort, in my opinion, to protect the level of optimism in your brain. I'm I'm a big believer in that. And the other thing to improve your optimistic skill is don't let pessimism and cynicism invade your thinking. Please. That's the easy way out. Don't tear all the other buildings down to make yours the tallest. Just build yours higher than everybody else. Reality, I believe, is only a matter of perspective. You choose how to interpret it. You can, you can interpret reality from a cynical standpoint, from a pessimist, from a realist, from an idealist, or being optimistic. It's really a choice, folks. You make the choice. And that's one way to improve your optimistic skills. Try this. Test me on this. Try this for the next 60 days. Okay, I'm going I'm to give you a 60-day test here as I close out this podcast. The 60-day test that I want you to do is simply this. Make yourself have an optimistic look, optimistic outlook on every problem you face. In the next two months, every problem you have, make yourself have an optimistic look. Keep track of the results. Write it down or get your computer out or your iPhone or iPad, whatever you have. Make notes to yourself. Folks, today's iPhones with Siri or the iPads coming out, they all have great Voice note features or you can make you can type in notes. Write down what you're worried about in the next two months. Write them down. Write down the problems that you're worried about that you think are going to occur in the next two months. Have an optimistic outlook and write down the results. Write down what happened. What happened? What was the ultimate result? And see if your optimism has paid off. I've tried that. In fact, I've tried that more than once. Boy, my list was real long. When I wrote down what I was worried about, my list was huge. And this was just for two months. The first time I did this, I wrote down a two-month worry list. It's okay to write down your worries. There's nothing wrong with that. It was long. My worry list was huge. And you know what? I started crossing things off of that worry list. And I, and I made notes of what the outcome was. And I forced myself to try to be optimistic about the outcome of everything on my worry list, you know what? Not all of it turned out good. And that's why I said earlier, that's why I said earlier, this is not going to solve all your problems, but the vast majority of what was on my worry list actually had a positive outcome. In the end, it worked out. Now, there were some that didn't work out. And that's where my realistic thinking came in. I thought, well, you know, the reality is not all of these are going to work out positive. That's one way to improve your optimistic skill to train your brain. Try that. Please just try me on that. As a matter of fact, make your lists now and then get on the forum two months later. And if you don't mind sharing some of it, if you want to be vague on some of it, you can be vague. But let us know your results. Get on the forum. I'd like to hear what your results are. Try that. Here's another example. Over the past probably five or six years... We know that there's been a major global economic downturn. That's no secret. Unless you've been living under a rock for five or six years, that's not a secret to you. And it's absolutely had effect on a great number of people in this entire world. But you know what? A lot of the meltdown that's happened, not all of it, don't get me wrong, but a lot of it was caused by pessimism people began to fear a meltdown. So they pulled their money out of the markets and they stopped spending. And the result, a meltdown happened. And it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. And right now, many world economies are struggling to regain their upward momentum. And unfortunately, so much of the fear comes from the same pessimistic thinking that caused the meltdown in the first place. Now, don't get me wrong. It's appropriate for you to be cautious with your finances. I've talked about that. Umpteen times on this show. I'm a huge believer in the Dave Ramsey method, and I'll follow it till the day I die. But to assume things are going to get worse and never, ever recover, I think that vastly underestimates the very nature of human beings. We will recover at some point. I refuse to believe that this world is headed down a path of destruction and will never come back. Now, you might call me crazy. You might say, Bob, you're wrong. You might quit listening to this podcast because I've said this. But I'm an optimist. Now, is everybody going to recover? Nope. Not everybody. The world is definitely headed in a bad direction, folks. Yes, it is. Is everybody going to recover? Nope. A lot of them are going to sink with the ship. They are. They're doomed, folks. You know why? Because they're not preparing. Because they're pessimists. They're cynics. They're They're cynical and they're not preparing. And some of them just they're too idealistic, they just refuse to believe that there's any kind of a problem. Or they're just way too dependent and they they refuse to get themselves off of the dependency kick. 47% of the people in the United States right now, folks. 47% are are drawing some type of government financial assistance. Unbelievable. 47%. Wow. Drawing government assistance. Who do you think they're going to vote for this November, by the way? Okay, anyway, um, no more politics. i gotta got to watch the politics. But I'm not saying that everybody's going to survive, but I do believe the optimists will recover. And there will be, at some point, some recovery. Now, there might be huge, huge losses suffered by maybe millions of people. But hopefully, there were millions of people who prepared and got ready for it. Now, will it ultimately come to an end? Of course. It's ultimately going to be all over one day, folks. But it'll be all over for all of us. It won't be all over for just a few select few. It'll be all over for everybody. And I really believe that optimism is a choice between life and death. It's not just us ticking away the moments of the clock. But rather, it's a choice. Basically, choose choose what you want to experience. Choose the world you want to experience. You know, at least here in the United States, folks, we still are somewhat free. And I use the word somewhat. We're not as free as we used to be, but we're somewhat free. You are free to make a lot of choices in your life. Still. And optimism is a a choice I hope that you're going to make, folks. Because if you make a pessimistic or a cynical choice, I don't think that's going to serve your ability to survive very well. I think that optimism is the bridge that helps you transition from the cynical view or the pessimistic view that things are just going down and there's nothing you can do about it, maybe that's true. Maybe there's nothing we can do about what other people do. In other words, we can't change what the politicians do once we elect the bozos and they go into office. That's the problem. However, we can change how we react to it. Life is only 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. And I borrowed that from my old pastor, Chuck Swindoll. I used to go to his church up in Frisco, Texas. Life is only 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Isn't that true? I hope you think it is. And I think that's the optimistic view. An optimist says, hey, you know what? Life is 10% what happens to me. You see, there's the realistic side of an optimist. Okay, life is 10% what happens to me. What's happening out there is 10% of this game. How I react to it is 90% of the game. How I respond, what knowledge I have, what supplies I've put away... What do I have in my arsenal of tools and skills to react to this bad situation? That is 90% of what happens to me in my life. And that's why, folks, I think and I'm convinced that optimism is the ultimate survival skill. I hope you'll agree. And that's pretty much going to conclude this episode of today's survival show. Thanks for tuning in folks. I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear what you have to say or add or criticize if you want. I'm an open-minded guy. I'm always open to all kinds of, of things you may have to say. So thanks for listening to another episode of today's survival show. It's my goal folks to help you do what you can with what you have in an optimistic way wherever you are. I'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in.